Did you fight a bird? Uh, possibly. Possibly. I did fight a bee the other day, and I thought about our episode. Um, Bees! Yeah, I did, and actually... It literally landed right on my hand, and I was carrying, I was at Dunkin', and I was carrying my coffee out with, like, a bag, so, I, like, hands were full, and I'm panicking, I'm like, ah, ah, it's on me, what do I do? And I went, and I'm blowing on my hand to get the bee off, because I can't swat it, there's, I have my hands full, and it flew away, and I was like, oh, that worked. <laughs> It was really aggressive, though. And I was just like, is this because I was talking trash about bees? Maybe. Bees, like, or maybe they're just like, I want a pumpkin spice latte. I, they were going towards my coffee hand. So that is They like the syrups. It's all sugar. I Yeah. So I was upset. I was just like, what did I do to receive a they're, plague on both our houses? They're basic bees. They are basic bees. <laughs> mm. I'm so tired, but <laughs> my whole I feel like like the past week, you know, in the movie Dodgeball when he's like throwing wrenches at yeah, them. You can that's, dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. That's been my week. It, like it was just wrench after wrench after wrench and I've somehow come through the other side, but like parts of me are broken. <laughs> absolutely fair absolutely fair my tater tot has been choosing violence this week so every night uh, i've been woken up multiple i don't think i've slept last night was actually the first night i slept longer than a four-hour stretch without being woken up and good god i i get it like we're teething it's a hard time we're growing two molars at once but i i was like i don't know what it means to be human I'm so tired. Yeah. So I understand. This bodes well for this yes. episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, cool. Hi. How are you all? Wrenches? Um, teething children? Cryptids? I don't know. How are you? We're fine here. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, so, welcome to Lake Erie Library. This is Beth. And this is Britta. And today, uh, we are today we're talking about cryptids. Today we are talking about uh, Mothman and and before West Virginia comes banging down on our door, we we get it. He's yours. He belongs to you. We're not claiming him, but there is some overlap. Ohio is right next to you, and that's what we're going to talk about is the overlap. Also, like the bridge literally connects one state to another and Correct. it goes across the ohio river not yeah to, like so like just don't this is not we're not besmirching you we love you listen ronnie thompson is from you i love him he's my favorite person on earth uh ronnie if you listen to this that's specific for you there you my, go my uh tater tot was very very particular to country roads uh for at least the first um year and a half of their life so john denver was not from west virginia though he was from somewhere else so i don't i mean like it's fine obviously west virginia is great and beautiful so write a song about it but can you technically go home if that's not your home on the country road 
I mean, he also wrote about Rocky Mountain High, too, with Colorado. So I, I don't know. But I will say, having watched a lot of uh, basic cable, that they do this, like, really pretty version of Country Roads for, like, you know how Michigan has the Tim Allen doing the voice of pure Michigan? And you're yes. like, ah, yes, okay. Well, they have this really beautiful version of country road sang by a woman and it's like overlaid with like these beautiful majestic mountains and people like rock climbing and whitewater rafting and like camping and doing all these like wonderful things in West Virginia so I feel like if they are using his song for state commerce and travel essentially that even if he's not from West Virginia they still claim him okay I think that's fair. I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. Does that mean I can be like, I can go write a song now that's just like, going home to Arizona. I've never been there in my life. I've looked at a lot of Google images. Arizona. I feel like I have to look up stuff about John Denver now because I'm like, there's got to be a connection. And I, I do not want to get yelled at in comments that he's from West Virginia or he lived there for like 20 years. He was so he he was a clue on the crossword puzzle on Friday from the New York Times. Oh, and me and male coworker were doing it at work and we were trying to sing through it, but we both only knew the chorus. Oh. And it was oh. which which mountain range is mentioned in it, which is the Blue, Blue Ridge. Ridge. Yes. But I know that because I know all the words yeah, to the song. Trying now. to trying to remember the lyrics to it sent us on a rabbit hole. And we were like, he's not even from there. You don't even go here. <laughs> she doesn't even go here. I know all the songs. All the song lyrics to Beth knows country. all the songs. I know all the songs. I know all the song lyrics to Country Roads, as well as uh, I'd do anything for love, because I sing those a lot. Meatloaf. Yeah, sing those a lot. Uh, anyways, back to <laughs> let's get back to uh, some Mothman. Rain us in, because I'm just taking us off the rails yeah. all day today. So, first of all, let's talk about this place right here ah yes this is a fun thing in ohio that um i will come up often on this podcast and i'm going to direct you also to a wonderful social media account called laney in the land because she does a lot of coverage on the names of places in ohio and how they are normally not pronounced the way you would expect them to be so this is gallop Gallipolis. 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 I would have pronounced it Gallipoli had I, I not known better. I don't want to tell you how I would have pronounced it because it wasn't that way and it wasn't the way you just told me, which is emphasis Gallipolis. On emphasis on the first syllable. <laughs> emphasis <laughs> on the first syllable. Gal, it please. Just think like, please. Can I have some more? Gallipolis. All right. So... As we said, Mothman is rightly so considered a West Virginia cryptid. So his his or hers, it's, I don't know the gender of Mothman. We genderized Mothman, unfortunately. Um, but this cryptid stalked Point Pleasant area of, this, of West Virginia from November 15th, 1966 to December 15th, 1967. 
and captured the attention of not only the Ohio Valley, but also the nation, preceding the tragedy of the Silver Bridge collapse on December 15th, 1967. This is where it gets a little off the rails already, because it's a cryptid. Uh, Unfortunately, we have wildly differing accounts of when Mothman was sighted, and just kind of numbers of people that sighted the creature and kind of when and where um i've read everywhere from a hundred people or witnesses claim to see mothman during this time and that's from john keel's report uh, the mothman prophecies um which is his like non-fiction account of what happened there but I've read other things from later on that said as many as 500 people claimed in, like, Ohio alone that they saw Mothman. And uh, I read other reports of people still around the world saying that they've seen Mothman, which makes me, like, question, are there more than one Mothman? Is it just a, is it one cryptid that's a harbinger of doom? Like, you know, so we'll get into that. We'll dive into that. Needless to say, you know, we had West Virginian people witness Mothman in the Point Pleasant, West Virginia area, but we also had them in Ohio, too. And, you know, the Silver Bridge connected U.S. Route 35 over the Ohio River, connecting West Virginia to uh, Gallipolis, Gallipolis. Ohio. Yeah, look at me remembering how to pronounce things. It's also pronounced differently depending on if you're from Ohio and from that city or if you are from across the river in West Virginia. They pronounce it differently. So fun, 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 fun. So again, we will give West Virginia full claim to Mothman. They actually have coming up in a few weeks a mothman festival and they also have a mothman museum and they have a pretty sweet mothman statue in point pleasant but i think we should explore the ohio connection and that's what we're focusing on today um so we're focusing on everything mothman e and along with like conspiracy theories and stuff i don't want to get too deep into those because i don't want people thinking that like We work at a library. We should be very, you know, into the facts, ma'am, into the facts. But at the same time, it's a cryptid, so I feel like it lends itself to conspiracy theories. I also fully buy into some conspiracy theories, so (laughs) So I'm fine with it. So without further ado, we'll begin. So Mothman is described as a humanoid creature. Uh, It was first published that... Credible witnesses saw, uh, it was a couple in West Virginia that saw Mothman, and they published this in the Point Pleasant Register in West Virginia dated November 16, 1966, and the article is titled, Couple Sees Man-Sized Bird, dot, 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 Creature, dot, 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 Something. I Listen, man-sized creature, I'm comfortable with. Man-sized bird, absolutely not. Get me out of here. Well, that is one of the logical explanations for what Mothman is, which is an out-of-migration sandhill crane or heron. Fun fact, those birds have wingspans of over seven feet, and they can grow to be super tall. So when you see one flying in a distance, they are man-sized. Monsters. Well, yeah, look, and they also have red, like a red ring around their eyes. So that's the part where I get a little like, okay, 
yeah, I've, I've seen birds. I've seen them at night, but I guess I've never seen these birds at night. But birds' eyes don't really reflect like that unless they're, like, out, like, nocturnal creatures. But a red ring around the eyes is not the same as, like, red glowing eyes. Yeah. Unless he's, like, walking around wearing LEDs on his face. He's just Cyclops. He's got the cool red visor all the time. It's also becoming a James Marsden podcast. You know what? If he listens to us, good for him. (laughs) Has anyone ever seen James Marsden and Mothman in the same place? (laughs) We're not trying to, like, assume anything. I am trying to start a conspiracy theory. (laughs) I just told you. I'm into it. (laughs) So, again, uh, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Mallett told police that they saw a large white creature whose eyes glowed red standing at the side of the road near the TNT area, which is a site of a former World War II munitions plant. Linda Scarberry in particular described it as a slender, muscular man, about seven feet tall with white wings, and said that she was unable to discern its face due to the hypnotic effect of its eyes. See, very different than, like, red rings around the eyes, I think. Yeah. Again, a lot of these sightings sound similar where they talk about it as a large bird with red eyes somebody else commented they thought it was a a shite poke which is what they call those birds in that area well the first part sounds right in my opinion (laughs) but in ohio we also saw him and some of the sightings we saw was in salem ohio in 1966 a farmer went outside with his dog to check on what his dog was howling and agitated at In a field, he reported to see two red lights like traffic reflectors staring back. The dog went after the light, and then later the farmer found his dog miles away drained of blood. That's sad. Um, Another person reported seeing Mothman and saying they just felt complete evil in his, his, her, their presence. Uh, another woman was driving a car from West Virginia to Ohio and almost hit the moth-like creature standing in the road. Okay, well, that's his fault. <laughs> Could you imagine how terrifying you that can, would be? You can fly, Mothman. Why are you standing in the middle of the road? You're just being a dick. So she reported it to authorities the next day. Uh, and then this is where it also gets weird. So, again, since you'll be talking more about uh, the Mothman prophecies, one thing John Keel, he's you know not only a writer, researcher, he's also a ufologist, Um, He brings up the idea, he's the first guy to kind of bring attention to America, uh, the idea of like men in black. Um, So his idea of men in black are not like what we think of like Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones. Their ideas of men in black, which, you know, you really, listen, trying to trying to just google basic information there's no like wikipedia page or anything like that there's nothing like it's it is literally deep internet of like because they don't want you to know yeah, right. Beth. that's 19- their whole like, thing it's like you find didn't websites. you watch the x-files you have to put a piece of tape in your window in an x and then deep throat calls you and then you meet him in a parking garage <laughs> and that's how you get your information so he describes men in black as uh very tan men who wear either nondescript what? outfits or Feels like a little racist <laughs> well okay like let's be real here like john keel very interesting but i 
I don't know how much you've read of the book. I read the first few chapters of the book, and it was written in 1975. There is some language in there that is dated and what would be considered racist. But anyways, described as very tan men, usually wearing nondescript clothing or driving nondescript cars or oddly wearing really out of date clothing like period pieces like velvet suits and stuff like that in the heat of summer except all these mothman sightings happened in the fall so wearing a suit like that wouldn't be so weird but dated suits and they tried to pull her over after she went to the police and question her about the incident and essentially like kind of threatened her and so she became agoraphobic after the incident no um you know they scared her which is fair so men in black are also just kind of wild to begin with like the concept of them and then there's like another thing that says they're actually aliens in disguise which is why they're so weird and then they're like a government conspiracy it's a whole thing it's like um like black-eyed kids have you ever heard of that that they're like supposed to be like alien type entities and they're like children and they'll just like act like normal kids but they'll just like do something completely wrong because they don't understand human behavior like they'll ask to come in your house and they'll ask for like like an onion for a snack instead of an apple or something like that i have not but now thank you for once again it's terrifying terrifying me i have a lot of kids in my neighborhood now i'm gonna be like Come here, come here, through the glass. Let me see your eyes. No, float away from me. Get out of here. Yeah. If your tater tot makes like weird friends, you're gonna question it. <laughs> Let me meet their parents. <laughs> Let me get an itinerary. I need the stats of their birth. <laughs> I need to know that they were born here on this planet. So, a uh, fun fact is. Uh, the name Mothman was actually coined in local newspapers because at the time Batman was very popular and it was an Ohio copy editor that came up with the name Mothman. So good on us. West Virginia, you're welcome. Also, though, like, is it really that much credit to somebody who was like, oh, what'd you watch last night? Batman. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty good show. Hey, you hear about this giant thing that looks like a moth and like a man? Oh. Yeah, like a Mothman. Nailed it. <laughs> other other sightings were also uh, on November 17th, 1966, a teenage boy said he saw a gray man-shaped 10 feet tall creature with red eyes while he was driving on Route 7 near Cheshire. The Mothman spread its wings and pursued the eyewitness's car. Then on December 4th, 1966, five pilots at the... Uh, Gallup Police Airport saw what they thought at first was an airplane going 70 miles per hour. Then all five clearly said it appeared to be a giant bird with a long neck. On December 7, 1966, four adult women were driving along Route 33 in Ohio and they spied a brown silver, brownish silver man-flying creature with red glowing eyes. There's another theory from Mark Hall's 2004 book Thunderbirds that says that when he's researching all of these like cases in Ohio that they believe that this goes back all the way to like the Wyandotte uh, Native Americans that lived in Ohio and that there was these creatures called the flying heads and they were more dangerous and troublesome during rainy, foggy or misty weather. They could enter a cloud of fog, mist or rhyme and it is approached 
as it approached a village unseen. They were cruel and wicked hookahs and cannibals. They caught sickness. They were vampires and lay in wait for people whom they caught and devoured. They carried away children. They blighted the tobacco and other crops. They stole and devoured the game after the hunter killed it. So essentially, they're trying to say that Mothman has been around like this type of flying cryptid who scares people but it is also kind of doom and gloom has been around for like a really long time kind of predating bad things happening to people you know you take what you will from it right like it's hard to say because it's you don't want to discredit like you know this wasn't actually that long ago there's people that remember the silver bridge collapse yeah and there's still people that are reporting that they've seen Mothman today. So you don't want to like discredit people and say, oh, you're obviously full of baloney. Like, you're not. Like, I, I don't want to say that to somebody. Like, what if that happened to me? I'd be so devastated. I'd be like, but I almost hit Mothman with my car. Uh, I wonder if insurance would pay for that. <laughs> I Listen, I feel like you just have to lie at that point i'm not saying lie to your insurance because that's wrong that's fraud but like i just feel like the answer is no no they would I not think mothman's covered. i don't think mothman even falls under like acts of god or anything like that so <laughs> so really all of these sightings happen in a very very short time period but over a hundred of them between ohio and the west virginia area starting in november ending like in a month period so other other reports were there was a woman who observed served something in rocky fork lake in southern ohio in 1982 there was another wit so mary Heyer is a reporter from point from the point pleasant correspondent for the athens ohio newspaper the messenger during the 1966 to 67 mothman flap and she was the one that reported extensively about the sightings. Actually, in one weekend alone, she was deluged with over 500 phone calls from people who saw strange lights in the skies. Wow. That, yeah, that's a lot. So I'm not surprised, though, because recently in our area, I don't know if you saw this, but there were a bunch of people freaking out on Facebook because they saw like a line of lights that were just flying through the sky in a straight line. And then they like one by one went out and it it's Starlink. It's okay. I he who shall not be names satellite. That, that's how it moves. I was also going to say it is the weekend of the air show. Correct. It was not the air show. This was like at night. Okay. Because I saw two like I saw two like jet like planes flying over the house because my tater tot was like, oh. And I was like, what are we looking at? I'm like, oh. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. But then I was like, oh, yes, it's Labor Day weekend. Of course, it's air show weekend. Yeah. But anyways, I, like, I don't want to read all of these <laughs> sightings <laughs> because a lot that's of them are lot. similar. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, there are other there are other theories or things that people are like talking about. So one, somebody reported that Mothman actually never really hurt anybody, like didn't actually hurt any humans. Um, and was never violent. So I looked and they said, and this reporter said, I don't know anyone that's ever had a physical encounter with it. I'm sure I've talked to a lot of people and I've never met anyone who claimed to be a victim other than mentally, of course. When you see something you don't expect to see, it's very disturbing to say the least. Then they also, 
my favorite theory about Mothman is that Mothman is an alien and that there's one of two one of two theories of where he hangs out. So the one theory is the Ohio theory and that he hangs out actually in the Dayton area and has like a place by Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which makes sense that is a giant Air Force Base. It's pretty close to, you know, if you got a seven foot wingspan, how long is it really going to take you to fly from there? Who's to say? I don't know. Uh, But the other one on the other side of it is that his uh, top secret layer is in the TNT area in Mm. West Virginia. And top secret layer. Is it perhaps in a cave, like under his rich parents' house, where his butler comes and helps him out? No, 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 Mothman. Uh, well, actually, the TNT area has an overgrown complex of canals and doomed, oh, domed, not doomed, domed bunkers that were part of a military installation. It's pretty secretive, pretty off-site, not a bad place to hole up. Yeah, I I feel like I'm really reading some of the same things. I will also say, even as like new as 2017, an Ohio film company released a Mothman of Point Pleasant documentary, and people it was like critically praised. Like it was a good documentary, and it was produced by Small Town Monsters, an Ohio-based film company that explores the lost and bizarre history around the United States. So. If after this episode you're looking for more information and really I'm thinking more of a deep dive into Mothman and all of the people that uh, witnessed it, that would be a good place to check out. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any other ones. There's also, I I noticed, I think it was on like, it might have been on like Amazon Prime. There's like a newer Mothman movie called The Mothman Legacy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That just came out within, like, the last few years. I haven't watched it, but it's on there. So if you have Prime, that is free to watch. Um, But not the Mothman Prophecies. That one you have to pay to rent. Or go to your local library and get it. Yeah, starring Richard Gere. Correct. I haven't seen it It's got a great cast. It's on on my to-watch list. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I won't spoil too much, but... It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. It's only, I know how it ends. It's only 21 years old, Beth. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll just... Yeah, let's I'll steer us, I'll let's steer us this way it. a little bit. So, uh, the main connection with Mothman to Ohio is the Silver Bridge collapse, which is a disaster that happened in the 1960s. So, the Silver Bridge connected Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and Gallipoli, Ohio, It was first opened for crossings in 1928. It was a two-lane, 1,760-foot-long bar suspension bridge, and it took a year to finish. And from the jump, when they were building it, they were kind of cutting some corners cost-wise. Dun-dun-dun. So an an bar is like the straight bars on um, the sides of bridges that you've probably seen it's usually made of metal and it has a hole which is where the eye comes from right at each end to fix to other components so like you might attach it with like a giant bolt you might attach it with like pins there's pin and eye bar construction and generally when you are making an eye bar suspension bridge like this you 
wouldn't just use like two of them you would stack a few to like add structural integrity to right like brooklyn bridge has up to six of the the i bars which is good because they were anticipating things getting heavier with time which the people who built the silver bridge did not so no um yeah that's that's kind of a fail safe that other bridges that are built this way have so that essentially if one part fails there's a backup it doesn't just take the whole bridge down like i said that is not the case here the links were just composed of the two bars each high strength steel which is more than twice the tensile strength of common mild steel but they didn't put the thick stack of inner bars to add to it and so with the two bars, basically, like, if one breaks, it's going to take the whole thing down. And the bridge was originally meant to be suspended with wire cables, but an alternate bid for the designer ended up being cheaper. So they're like, let's do that instead. And they're also like, it'll be, like, the only bridge in the U.S. that's built like this right now. <laughs> How cool. <laughs> And so that was fine in 1928 because the average car back then only weighed about 1,500 pounds. But in the 1960s, the average car weighed twice that. And then you have up to 4,000 of these like 3,000 pound cars going across the bridge every day. So that's a lot of stress right. on this bridge that was never meant to withhold that amount of stress. Right. And on top of that, you have that stress, but then the traffic was always like hit and miss so you have cars just sitting on the bridge right weighing a ton and they had these towers that were meant to sway which if you don't know anything about tall bridges or buildings there is some amount of movement that is natural for that otherwise winds would ruin the buildings they would knock them over so they do move a little bit so then when you're sitting on the bridge, it's like sort of swaying and that's just terrifying to think about too, but it's, uh, some level of that is normal. And they did do regular inspections of the bridge, but the problem is the way it was constructed, there's no good way to inspect the I-bars without essentially taking apart the whole bridge to look at them. Right. So they did regular inspections, but it, there was just no way to catch what ended up taking the bridge down. So, uh, Chris, around Christmas, it was December 15th of 1967, we hit rush hour traffic right. in the evening. One survivor of this disaster, her name was Charlene Wood, she said she was driving home from work, she was actually pregnant at the time, it was about 5 o'clock, she went over the silver bridge and then she noticed like a vibration under her car and just like put it in reverse and floored it. And just as she made it back to the other side of the bridge, it collapsed in front of her. That is... Which I have, like, goosebumps thinking about that. And then you have to think, also, this was rush hour traffic, so they were sitting bumper to bumper. So there's people who made it across that didn't even know it collapsed until later. And then, like, not only reading that, but 46 people... Yeah. 46 people died. I'm, I'm getting to that right now. So state trooper Rudy O'Dell was one of the first responders on the scene. And when he got there, 31 cars and 64 people had already fallen into the Ohio River. By the end of the night, 46 people had either drowned in the water or died on impact as section of sections of the bridge landed on top of their car, which I that's horrifying to think about that. Like you survived the initial plummet into the river and then. Like you, right. you can't even get out of your car before 
before you that do. happens to you. They also couldn't find there's two. two people that they couldn't find, and there were nine people who were injured and survived. But yeah, sadly there are two people who were never located, and they count them in that. One of the things I remember reading from, I think it was from uh, the book from John Keel's reports, was that he saw visions of the bridge collapsing and he would see like, this is where the book gets a little, it's shelved in nonfiction, got, but it gets a little yeah, off the rails. He's got, I've got some of the wilder things he says in the book later and in my notes. So he he claims he saw visions and one of the visions he that was like haunting him was christmas presents floating down the ohio river and he was very confused as to like what that meant because if you're getting prophetic visions you know unfortunately that's the not fun part of prophecy right like you you gotta have context and you don't have context usually but that always stuck with me in reading that because i'm just imagining like it was around christmas time so it was very possible people had shopping Christmas shopping done and they were going home for like dinner or something like that and like just the idea of like bodies and Christmas presents floating down the Ohio River is so sad yeah so they eventually determined that the bridge failure was due to a defect in a single link known as Ibar 330 on the north of the Ohio side of the bridge of that chain and it was the first link below the top of the Ohio Tower. So there were multiple towers across the right. bridge. And it was on the Ohio side. Um, Silver Bridge would be replaced by Silver Memorial Bridge, which was about a mile south of the old structure. And because of this, they created a presidential task force on bridge safety to look into the collapse and then address general bridge safety across America. So the National Transportation Safety Board also investigated the Silver Bridge disaster. And I mean, it's I'm not going to say it's like a, a good point of this. Like it's a tragedy and it's very sad that it happened. But at least it led to some policy change, I guess, that helps prevent this from happening again. You know, sadly, in all the research I've done about Ohio disasters, this is not the first time. Something happens in Ohio and the nation goes, oh, man, this is awful. Yeah. Guess what? We're going to do something to prevent this from happening ever again. Yeah. Thanks, Ohio. It's it's now a pretty standard thing in engineering that like you are taught to foresee like the unexpected. It's like you got to look at everything from every angle because things like this do happen. Right. Because the the little like eye bar piece, it was what did it it was like 2.5 millimeters yeah it was, it was tiny and it it was just essentially a crack in it that just made it shift and then everything in bridges is about balance and it threw the whole thing off 2.5 millimeters yeah that's minuscule right they do have a memorial on the point pleasant side of the bridge to commemorate the 46 bridge collapse collapse victims um so you you can see that they also have um, like a reconstructed piece of I-bar that you can look at there. And for a while, there was a replica of the bridge in like a museum nearby. But I believe there was a fire and they never rebuilt the museum. So I'm not quite sure what happened with that. There are a few things that are references to this in popular culture. There's a 1970 book called Operation Trojan Horse. 
that references it. And then John Keel, of course, wrote the Mothman prophecies. And he is linking the Silver Bridge collapse to the alleged sightings of Mothman. Then they made a movie out of it in 2002, which is based on that, which I'll get to in just a moment. Jack Matthews wrote a novella called Beyond the Bridge, which is written as the diary of an imaginary survivor of the disaster, starting a new life as a dishwasher in a tiny West Virginia town. There is a honky-tonk song by Ray Anderson. He's a musician from West, West Virginia, and it's called The Silver Bridge Disaster, and that was on the A-side of a 1967 single that he released. And... The Mothman Prophecies is a big reason why Point Pleasant is now a famous place for conspiracy theorists and ufologists. Some believe that the Mothman tried to warn people of the bridge collapse, but others think that he caused it to happen, which I guess it just depends on your view of Mothman, whether you think he is an evil entity or if he's just like here doing his thing. I feel like witnesses are kind of 50-50 on that too, because some people are like, oh, he scared me, but you know, nothing happened. And then other people are like, I felt the presence of evil when I looked into his eyes. Yeah, and it's, I mean, take everything with a grain of salt because, like Beth said, I haven't read the whole book, but I have read some of the other claims that Keel makes on it, and he he claims that over time, like, the book covers, I think it's, like, over a year of yes. things connected to Mothman, and he claims that he was receiving these prophetic messages from Mothman the whole time. And so he claims that he got advance word of the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy and that the voices also warned him of, quote unquote, trouble ahead for Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin as well. So moving on to the movie, <laughs> I I enjoy this movie. I've seen it like more times than I really thought that I had <laughs> for just being a random movie. It came out in 2002, so I was in high school when this came out, and I get it confused often with the movie Dragonfly, which came out around the same time. That's Kevin Cosner. Okay. And it's also with, like, prophecies. Did it also have, like, a similar cover on it where it was, like, the white and the black with, like, a bug outline on it? Sort of, yeah. Like, Because I completely understand. So it came out the same year. And so that's like the the cover for Dragonfly is like oh, oh. this weird like dragonfly shape and it's blue and, and it is and dark blue. Vaguely it's like this it's like they hired the same designer. And then the Mothman prophecies <laughs> is like sort of a like a scan of like a brain Rorschach test type picture. But they had like the same I feel like same vibes, same yeah. vibes. If you were describing this to somebody who had never seen either of the covers, they too would get them confused. And at that time like Richard Gere and Kevin Costner kind of looked alike. Like they have yeah, similar yeah. similar looks. They played similar roles and so I I used to get them confused a lot. Um they also have like similar subject matter, which I'm going to get into here in a second. So the movie it's got like a pretty great cast um Richard Gere actually plays John Keel in it uh Laura Linney is also in it oh nice nice Deborah Messing plays um John's wife at the beginning of the film and then Will Patton is also in it who I love he was in Armageddon which is what I always think back to him for but he's also he's narrated a lot of Stephen King books okay so he's narrated other books too but this is this is where Beth would know his voice from 
the movie essentially it starts as kind of just like this happy that's it's like kind of silly actually at the beginning of the movie um Richard Gere and Deborah Messing are like they're a married couple they're very happy they're buying a house they're like sort of fooling around in the closet of this house that they're viewing and like the realtor opens the closet on them and why not yeah and so they're like we're gonna get it and like he like closes the closet door again to finish like fooling around with his wife and so they're driving home and as they're driving home Deborah Messing's character sees like this flash of something in front of the car and it's it's like this black flash with these like bright red lights in it and she like so she causes a car accident with just them like they they veer off the road and they hit it and she cracks her head against the window jesus and so when she's taken to the hospital to get scans just to make sure that she's okay she keeps getting these flashes Mm -hmm. and she keeps asking if he saw it and then just the look on his face she's like you didn't see it and so he's like what is she talking about so they put her through an MRI and they discover that she actually has a glioblastoma, which is a brain tumor. And I always remember that because it's the same kind of brain tumor that my dad had. So Aww. that one sticks in my brain. And so these are generally inoperable brain tumors, depending on like where they are in that lobe. But in the film, she she does have surgery. They remove what they can, but they can't get all of it. And so she's on chemotherapy and John is just trying to piece together like how did this happen? Like what's going on? He's got like other, you know, he's a journalist. He's got other things he's supposed to be reporting on in the movie. And, um, she does pass away sadly. But when he goes to her hospital room, cause he's, he's gone, he's like working when he gets the call that she's going and he's, it's really sad. He's like running. And there's this shot of him running across one of those like overpasses in the oh hospitals God. from like, the parking garage to the building that's glass and he's just dead sprinting and he pushes through the doors and like the doctor is just waiting for him and he goes in her room and he's like sort of grabbing stuff and there's an orderly in the doorway who startles him and says she knew she was drawing pictures of angels and like points to her notebooks And so John starts looking through it and like, I don't know what angels this orderly has seen in his life because this is the most terrifying crap that you could find in a loved one's. It's like black scribbles with like bright red spots and like looks like like blood marks on everything. It's terrifying. You you've read the description of biblical angels, right? Yeah. It's like my favorite. But even that would have been like, okay, like, yeah, that's a biblical angel. This is like stuff of nightmares terrifying faces with like long teeth and dark scribbles (laughs) and red oh good lord so it's like that's really creepy um and then john at at some point he like he gets in his car and he just starts driving this is like two years later is this set in like the 60s no it's set in like the early 2000s it's set in like current day interesting okay so he's um He's like driving from Washington, D.C., where he lives, and he is driving on the road, and then his car just suddenly stops working and it breaks down. And it's like it's cold out because it's like late fall, early winter, and his car won't start. And he's in the dark on a highway. And as he's walking, he just like kind of gets like one of those, like, mm, like I just, it, I got like a weird vibe. It feels weird. He sees this house nearby. So he runs up to the door and he knocks on it. 
And this is where Will Patton comes in and he opens the door and he goes, it's him. I've been waiting for you. And then pulls a shotgun on him and yanks him in the house. Jesus. <laughs> and so movie? you come to find out that Will Patton's character for the past two nights at 2.30 in the morning has seen John knocking on his door, saying his car broke down and asking to use the phone. And then he just disappears. Okay. So he's like, this man is harassing us. Like, I'm going to shoot you if I find you on my property again. He calls the sheriff. This is Laura Lenny. And she's just like, all right, like, let's get the story straight. She talks to John. She, like, drives him into town. They organize, like, somebody to come tow his car and look at it the next day. And John is like, I don't even know how I got here. Like, I drove 400 miles and I do not remember it. I just am here now. I don't even know where I'm at. I mean, to be fair, when you are grieving, sometimes weird things happen. But I've definitely, I've definitely, and I think we all have, that's just human nature of driving, of like, you know, I'm listening to an audiobook while I'm driving or something, and then like five minutes has passed, and I look up and I'm like, I'm in a completely different city, and I was paying attention, but I wasn't paying attention. How did I get here? How did I not cause an accident? And I read about that, and it's like mus it's essentially like muscle memory. Like your brain's like, ah, we've done this multiple times. I know what I'm doing. But that being said, 400 miles is a big stretch. And it's like way off. Like he was trying to drive to Richmond, which is like a totally different direction. And, like, there's no way that he could have, like, traveling that distance in that amount of time right. is, like, near impossible. Like, impossibly fast. He so was he's beating. So it's, like, not only does he not remember driving there or why he, like, went the wrong way, but he did it at, like, inhuman speeds. Great. And then just happened to end up at this man's house who says he's seen him for the past two nights. Okay. So it's like he's trying to piece it together. And through this, he's spending time there. And he he starts talking to um, Laura Lenny's character who starts telling him about, like, this isn't the first thing like this. Like, I've had these people, these, like, good people who go to church who are, like, totally rational, sane people who are telling me these insane things. Like, they're telling me these things that I cannot believe. Like... Like, there's a woman who says that she saw this creature outside in her yard, and he was, like, 18 feet tall. Like, he's as tall as this giant tree outside. Mm -hmm. And he had glowing red eyes, and he looked at her, and she just was, like, frozen, and she couldn't move mm -hmm. until he disappeared. And so, you know, John's talking to some of these people, and he goes outside and looks at her tree, and there's this weird, like, shape sort of, like, in the trunk where she said that she saw it and he remembers that there was also that same weird sort of like v-shaped almost claw marks mm -hmm. on the front of the car after the accident when his wife thought she saw something interesting so he's sort of starting to buy into this like there is something here okay there is something that's going on that is one of the reports from ohio uh, the one from the Rock Creek is about a woman describing a tree, essentially, that is like impossible size and she sees it move and it shouldn't be moving. But it also had like the glowingness to it. So she they attributed it to Mothman. And so in talking to the sheriff, well, she maybe she's not a sheriff. Maybe she's just a police officer, not just a police. Maybe she is a police officer. It's I, I don't know the town dynamics of Point Pleasant. Um, 
but when he's talking to Laura Lenny's character, she tells him about this weird dream that she had, which is similar to what you brought up earlier. She says she dreams that she's like falling and then she's floating in water and there are Christmas presents floating around her. And she keeps hearing this voice that says, wake up number 37 while she's like sinking in the water. And she's like, I don't know what that means, but like there's strange stuff happening. And then Gordon, which is Will Patton's character, um, tells him that he had, he was in the, like the bathroom and he was like looking in the mirror and like he didn't quite recognize his own face. And then he heard voices coming out of the sink drain saying Ooh. 99 will die Denver. Oh. And he meets up with John in this diner and while he's talking John sees a news report behind him on the TV and goes and turns it up and there's a plane crash that was heading to Denver it was like flight something with a nine and 99 people on the flight died interesting this so is all very dynamic but yeah, it's so also it's like, a, he's, it's like tying in these prophecies and so John kind of like he becomes obsessed with the whole Mothman thing and he wants to go meet with this this man in Chicago who is like an expert on like messages and and prophecies and when he goes to meet with him he leak makes this point that like like he's asking like is it an alien like is it a creature is it here to hurt people like we don't know and he makes a point of like well look up at this tall skyscraper so if there's like a guy up there on the you know like 30th floor and he looks out, he can see so much farther than what we can see. Right. He can see so much more than what we right here on the ground can see. Does that mean that it is not true? Does it mean that it is not reality? No. He is just seeing things from a different view, implying that, like, perhaps that is what this creature is here to do. This creature has a different way of seeing events that will unfold and has chosen to share this information. And that's John brings up the point. He's like, well, I don't even know how I got there. Like something brought me there. And Leek says, whatever brought you there, brought you there to die. Wow. And that's like it. And so he's like, well, I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell the officer about this because I don't want to freak her out. Like she's already she like keeps saying, like, I hate this every time something weird happens. Right. Because she's a very logical person and she cannot logically explain any of this. Right. And at one point she she is in like the station and he's coming to see her and she goes do you know that woman that just left and he's like what are you talking about she's the woman with the red hair that just left and he's like no what are you talking about she's pretty she's like younger she had like long red hair she had green eyes she was asking about you and so he goes outside looking and obviously she's not there because his wife is gone so he pulls out a picture and he shows her he's like is this the woman she's like well well, there's a similarity. And he's like, no, it was this woman. This woman was talking to you. And she's like, John, that's your wife. I know that she's dead. And he's just like, so he's like fully like, okay, like something bad's happening. Like Off. she's trying to warn me. Off and he's like, been. what did she ask you? And she's like, she just asked if you were happy. And then he's like, well, what did you tell her? And she's like, well, I asked for some ID. <laughs> what did you tell her? Yeah. So, um... <laughs> He he finds out that there's like the governor is going to be visiting. He's going to be visiting like this plant on the Ohio River 
And so John starts to think that this chemical plant is going to be like the the thing that brought him there. He thinks something bad is going to happen there. And Gordon, Will Patton's character, had another prophecy that like something there was going to be a tragedy on the Ohio River and that people were going to die. And so John goes and tries to warn the governor. It looks like a total Looney Tune of because course. nothing happens. Of course. And he goes back to Point Pleasant like around Christmas and gets to the bridge in the evening and there's like weird traffic lights that are malfunctioning and so traffic is just stopped dead mm-hmm. across the river. And Which that is true. That actually happened. And so he gets out of his car and like can hear things starting to go wrong with it. So he's just running across the bridge screaming at people to get out of their cars and like some people are just ignoring him and like some people start to listen and then the officer's also on the bridge and she gets out of her car and she's like in the middle of the bridge so there's she's not going to make it regardless uh. so she starts telling people to get out the bridge collapses she ends up in her car trying to drive back across like back it up from where it's breaking mm-hmm. and her car goes in the water oh no he goes in the water after her and gets her out of her car and as they surface, there's, like, Christmas presents floating all mm-hmm. around them. And then later, they're, like, in the aftermath and on the ambulance. And the, like, po- like the police chief and, like, the, like, fire people are, like, well, 36 people died. It's pretty bad. And she just goes, wake up 37. Like, she was going to be the 37th mm-hmm. person. And so Ooh. then it's like, well, maybe Mothman brought him there to save her. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so he survives? He survives. Okay. She survives. They both are okay. The end of the film claims that the cause of the bridge was never fully determined, which is a lie. No, it's that's fabrication. not true. <laughs> and well, this this movie's taken a lot of yeah, things that happen. Cre- creative liberties. A lot of creative liberties. They've said afterwards, they're like, well, maybe we shouldn't, because it does say it's like based on a true story. And they're like, maybe it should have, maybe it should have been more accurately worded as like inspired by a true story rather than based on a true story. But there's, like, some really scary, like, they show some of the sightings of Mothman in the movie Mm -hmm. as people are talking to John about them. And, like, I didn't want to name all of them, but there's, some of them are pretty freaky. And then, like, the voices, because John keeps getting phone calls, like, the voice is really spooky, too. And it keeps referring to itself as, like, Indrid Cold is its name. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I... well, I wasn't sure if that was something that like uh, occurred in the film, but like I know part of the book is, you know, because he does kind of chronicle everything over the course of a year. It's also him kind of explaining that like not only is he chronicling the actual Mothman sightings and connecting that to the Silver Bridge collapse, but as time goes on, he is getting more and more. Uh, spied on by like the government like they're trying to cover up this truth that he's putting out there which is this is interesting because you know this happened in the late 60s he didn't write this book until 1975 yeah um and he essentially talks about how he's harassed he talks about the men in black of course and he then talks about uh 
that his when he further gets into his research of Mothman, weird stuff keeps happening to him and descends into paranoia. Uh, his mail is being tampered with, along with um, he starts to get all those predictions. So one was that a major blackout would occur, uh, but it was actually the collapsing of the Silver Bridge. So I'm like, I don't know how, you know, it's, it's just funny to read this stuff now because I'm like, you, like it occurred and you published this afterwards. If you were going to have it predictions, yeah. why wouldn't you? It's really easy to draw like correlation between things after they've happened as opposed to like, hey, here's this nonsense that I heard. I don't know what it means. And then let other people put it together. So I don't know. I mean, I I do believe that, like, there are some things that, you know, if you're just, like, very attuned to the world around you, if you're observant, like, I do think that you pick up on things that maybe normal people don't. But right. But that also doesn't necessarily mean that it's, like, woo-woo magic or, like, a cryptid who's coming to tell you things. Like, it's just the way you perceive the world right so like maybe it's real or maybe you know like the i could right now be like oh well i got a prophecy in 2000 something terrible was going to happen in new york city and then you know like that's very flim flammy right um, I actually found a really interesting article while I was researching this. Uh, it was a paper written by Jack uh, Daly, and it's called Mothman, the Silver Bridge Collapse and the Folklorization and Commemoration of Actual, actual Events. And uh, one of the things that Jack pointed out was that while Mothman is tied to tragedy, as time has gone on and as I would say... I don't know if people are more open-minded now or if like internet culture has just so pervaded with like alternate culture that like Mothman's on t-shirts and he's on in books and like there's stuffed animals of him and you know people are really into cryptids but um he talks about how uh Mothman's essentially been folklorized and so much so that instead of being kind of this scary entity it's like Mothman's becoming more benevolent and has also overshadowed the tragedy that you know if the hypothesis is correct and Mothman was just kind of not a harbinger of doom but like the predictor of like this is something that is happening like I am trying to prevent maybe I'm trying to prevent this or I'm just trying to tell you that this is happening Mothman himself has overshadowed kind of this idea of this tragedy happening I I read a paper by him as well this must be like his his steve must be his jam it's called narrative hijacking Mothman and the silver bridge collapse and I love that term that he narrative hijacking right because it's really it is like shifting the narrative from this tragedy that happened in this collapse and this loss of life to this cryptid right so i it sounds like to me that i i don't think jack is a huge fan of the mothman prophecies no though he does cite him multiple times throughout this paper talking about like you know what mothman looked like with big wings that folded and it two big eyes like automobile reflectors 
and that the bird was the chief topic at the supper tables throughout the Ohio Valley. I would say it's an important thing to point out. You know, we are talking about cryptids, but it is very much tied to this this tragedy that happened. And, you know, Ohioans and West Virginians died. And due to really a man-made fault. Yes, an easily avoided man-made fault. Yes. It's that rule of you can do things well, you can do things cheap, and you can do things fast but you can only do like two of them at any given time right and then he also talks about with the folklorization how people have like made mothman songs and whatnot from it um i did not listen to the mothman songs (laughs) but maybe i will i don't know (laughs) um mostly because i think it's really sad that you know like this one song the lyrics are talking about Oh, so sad when that silver bridge went down. There are husbands and wives, little children that lost their lives, which is true. (laughs) I don't know if I want to hear that song. Yeah. And realistically, this was 1967. So, I mean, if you were a child, then you are more than likely still around, you know, so there are people who probably lost family members in that tragedy who still exist. So, you know, it is important to remember that it is a tragedy. And yeah, and if I were someone who lost somebody that way and I had somebody else saying, oh, I love Mothman and stuff like that, I would feel pretty like, oh, you're being insensitive to my suffering. So we're trying to we're trying to straddle the balance because I West Virginia also has a Mothman (laughs) Museum and a festival. So there are people that because of the folklorization of it, celebrate Mothman as this like good entity. I don't know. It is interesting to think about, though. Is Mothman like a, is it a secular entity? Like, is it a, you know, is it, is it a prophecy type thing? Or is it a, is it an alien that's benevolent that has just like come to Earth and is just chilling out, ready to, you know, kind of scare us into believing in it? I don't know. I don't know. I think he's pretty cute, though. I'm buy into all the whimsigoth stuff (laughs) like that's my brand is it creepy and cute take my money i do i mean i am wearing a mothman shirt right now so i do also think mothman is pretty cute i thought about dressing up like mothman for halloween but i i was worried that people would not know who i was there's i just saw like a tiktok video of a girl who dresses up like mothman and goes out like at night next to like a train yard and she gets like kicked out because she's like by where the lights are for the train she has these glowing red eyes yeah i was like that's listen for mothman being someone who's supposed to prevent accidents like maybe don't do that because you're probably gonna cause one right right holy moly so it was a pretty creepy costume though she just like slowly stands up from behind things while like the camera pans by is she tall does she wear like stilts like mothman's and i've read anywhere from six to ten feet yeah no she's just like normal height so she's like a five foot like five person yeah (laughs) but she like is climbing up on stuff and just like perching so i don't know yeah, if I were driving and I had to stop at a train and I saw that, I would probably pee myself in my car. I would also just be worried that like the train would see the lights and be like, oh no, hit the brakes. Yeah, yeah. We do not need another train disaster in Ohio. No, thank you. We're good. We're done. We've had our fill forever. Yep. 
filled no our more. I feel like we filled our bingo board this year with disasters, so don't tempt fate. No. You need to spin in a circle twice and poo poo. So yeah, that's I would say that's the story about Mothman. We don't claim him fully, we just claim partial custody. Yeah. It's tied with a really, really bad situation. <laughs> that unfortunately precedes like other disasters in Ohio precedes overall the good of the many because they changed laws to make things better but it is still considered the silver bridge is considered the deadliest bridge collapse in uh US history yeah i remember there was a bridge collapse in like minneapolis like was it like 2007 i think it was i just remember i used to work for Major League Baseball for an Ohio team and that team was playing I'm gonna like triangulate my location now um that team was playing in Minneapolis the weekend after that bridge collapsed and they had talked about postponing the games that weekend and they were like no let's we're gonna do it because there's a lot of people who probably need like something to look forward to right now and one of the one of the guys who worked for the team was like about to go on the bridge when it collapsed like he was driving himself up for the yeah and so he does not drive over bridges now like he is terrified of bridges which i would be too but that's i always think about that i mean there are a lot of kind of spooky bridges in ohio beyond like that which they have a memorial bridge for that but there are a lot of like spooky-esque bridges like i just think about the bridge in our local uh city and it was recently done like redone so that it's not but you know back in the day there were there's no lights on the road so you would like drive over it at night and it's technically it's two lanes but it is creepy and it you know Yep, yep, that bridge. I crashed my car on that bridge because I tried to go across it and didn't realize another car was coming when it was one line, and I scratched the crap out of the side of my car with the metal guardrail and then had to make up a story about it so I didn't get in trouble with my parents. Yeah, that bridge was pretty creepy. It's definitely, they've improved it since uh, it's been redone. It's wider now. I think, I don't think there's still no lights down there, so like driving down that road at night like all, all ohio things you gotta watch for deer that's you know midwest sign for i love you is blink twice with your blinker it's true so many like every trip home from work recently i've yes. seen so many of them and i'm the type of person that like i see any critter on the side of the road and i like, go oh no blink. baby oh no baby stay out of the road don't go in the road be safe i love you <laughs> and then you have me on the other hand who's like all right, I am happy to let you pat. What are you doing? I literally had a deer, like, I want to say three, four weeks ago. I was driving on the same, the bridge road, just later past the bridge. And I had a deer walking parallel with my car. So I was like crawling because I'm like, at one point, is this deer going to go, I don't know. And then it just kind of stopped when I stopped. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And then I'm blinking my lights because there's oncoming traffic. And then there's a car like speeding up behind me. And I'm like, this deer is going to cause an accident. And it ain't even out on the road. It's just on the side. Yeah. Wild. (sighs) Well, who knows? Yeah. So, you know, let us know what you guys think about Mothman. And 
any other Ohio cryptids, we will definitely be covering those in the future. And if you're interested, definitely check out the movie with Richard Gere in it. Uh, obviously, it is different than the book since the book takes place during the 60s and not in the early 2000s. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like a good... <sighs> It's like a it's a sad movie, but like it does have a happy ending and it does just kind of have this like this vibe of like I I don't know how to describe it. It is very much an examination of grief as you'll find a lot of horror is. And uh it just kind of has this like weighty feel to it and everything is just sort of like lit in this like late autumnal December well, see, type light and perfect perfect yeah. for if you're gonna start spooky or if you're like I need to watch a movie after all my Halloween movies yeah we're all about your viewing pleasure for late autumn and then and then go watch Dragonfly which came out the same year with Kevin Cosner in it and also involves tragedy <laughs> and premonitions and then we can have a discussion about <laughs> how easy it is to confuse the two of them <laughs> So once again, thank you for listening to the Lake Erie Library. You can find us wherever podcasts are available. You can find us on Instagram at the, no, not the, I always do this. It's like the Shawshank Redemption, but it's Shawshank Redemption. We are not the Lake Erie Library. We are Lake Erie Library with E-E-R-I-E on Instagram. Um, As always, thank you to our wealthy benefactor. Yes. Mothman loves you too. And uh, once again, stay spooky, friends.